For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa, as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text MONICA to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here on this Monday as we start a brand new week. I hope you had a fantastic weekend with those you love and enjoyed some football too. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Don't forget on social media, Instagram, I am at Monica Crowley underscore. And on Twitter and True Social, I am at Monica Crowley. So please follow me in all locations. Some really great stuff in all three platforms. Also, you can send me an email to Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. So getting a ton of your emails. We've been doing long interviews, really deep dives with people. So recently we haven't had a lot of your emails, but keep them coming because I promise you we are going to get back to them. And I always love hearing what you guys have to say and what's on your mind. So Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. All right. Uh, this week, big shows coming up. We're going to have another very extensive and very important conversation with my friend, Dr. Naomi Wolf. If you have not already heard our conversation from last year, I believe it was last summer sometime, June or July, uh, please go listen to it because that is going to frame what we are going to talk about later in the week with her. She started life as a very prominent feminist on the left um, the whole thing, advising Al Gore during his presidential campaign, 
She spent her whole life on the left. She has now made a metamorphosis, really, and it's not political at all. She has been focused over the last two to three years on the COVID-19 pandemic and all of the lies that we have been fed by the regime, by big government, by big tech, by big pharma. And she is now a tech CEO, and she has been doing extensive work on the experimental mRNA shots, and she is going to be here later in the week to tell us exactly what she and her team have found so far. It's blowing the lid off of everything. I mean, our investigative journalists in this country should be doing this work, but they're not. So it falls to people like Naomi Wolf and her fantastic team of researchers and so on, going through the public documents um, talking to whistleblowers, doing the big investigative heavy lifts that our actual propaganda press should be doing, but they're propagandists, so they won't. And also, they are taking huge money from big pharma, hand over fist. Every single news thing you see is brought to you by Pfizer. Pretty much, damn near close, every Sunday morning show brought to you by Pfizer. Look, even things like the U.S. Open tennis tournament brought to you by Moderna. Why do you think they still won't let uh, Djokovic in the country? Djokovic, who just won the Australian Open over the weekend, just a magnificent display of athleticism. The guy is the goat. He's unvaxxed. Australia was really another peg in the evil empire of uh, big tech, big pharma, the whole COVID-19 tyranny. Australia really in many ways led the way. They would not let him play for the last two years, so he missed out on those two titles of the, the Australian Open. And here in the United States, we still, we're one of the big outliers along with, I think, North Korea. Even China has moved to open the borders and open it up to international travelers who are not vaccinated. But here in the U.S., no. So Djokovic, the tennis goat, cannot come in and play in the United States. Absolutely ridiculous. So he showed them all because he won the Australian Open over the weekend. And by the way, as soon as he won, he pointed to his head and then he pointed to his heart. And a lot of people are interpreting that, you know, Bill Gates was in the audience for that win, and people are interpreting that as Djokovic saying, hey, I use my head to protect my heart from this crazy-ass mRNA shot. So good for him. Uh, I got mad respect for Djokovic and Aaron Rodgers and all these other athletes that stood up in the face of tremendous pressure and enormous tyranny, and they lost a lot. They lost a lot by standing up and saying, no, my medical freedom and bodily autonomy are important to me. In fact, they're the most important thing. Djokovic is on the record saying, more important to me than any title. And amen to that, because the title is not going to sit with you in a hospital bed. So uh, Naomi Wolf is going to be here to break all of this apart, everything that we know so far. She has been blowing whistles all over the place for the last two years and got suspended from Twitter and Facebook and every place, you name it. She is now restored, at least on Twitter, uh, and she is going to be here with what she and her team have found uh, because you need to know, it does none of us any good to stick our heads in the sand and pretend like none of this is happening. It did happen It is happening now, and we all need to be aware. Denial gets us nowhere except maybe sick or dead. 
So Naomi Wolf is going to join us here later in the week. Very important. Also, next week, we're going to be joined by former Secretary of State and CIA Director uh, Mike Pompeo. He's got a brand new book out. Um, And man, do I have some questions for him. So that's going to be fascinating. Big blockbuster conversations teed up here on the Monica Crowley podcast. So please tune in and tell everybody you know that they should be listening to this show. Nobody wants FOMO, right? Fear of missing out? Well, you can't have fear of missing out if you're listening to the Monica Crowley podcast. All right. First up, the Monica memo on Friday. We had a very critical election for the chair of the Republican National Committee, the RNC. Um, As predicted, but sadly, there will be no change at the top of the RNC. Rana Romney McDaniel uh, won re-election. She has a horrible track record of losing races. Great track record of raising money. That's like her big strength, but that's basically the job of head of the RNC is raising money. Um, But, you know, where did she put that money? That was a big question. It went to the consultant class. It went to vendors. I mean, they're spending money hand over fist on flowers at events. How about pouring that money into excellent candidates who can win? Once they're nominated, how about getting them across the finish line? I mean, last year was the optimal time for Republicans to win across the board. I mean, we had everything going for us. Very few moments in time like that for the Republicans, right? And yet we lost ground in the Senate and barely squeaked out the House. And then it was all the way down the ticket. So, you know, with a track record like that, it wasn't just that. It was 2020, not being prepared in 2022 after all the fraudulent stuff and the rigging in the 2020 election. By the way, later in this show, we're going to talk to the phenomenal Christina Bob. She's an attorney for former President Trump. Uh, she was at Mar-a-Lago for the raid. Uh, for the classified documents. She's going to talk to us about that. And she's got a new book out on the 2020 uh, rigged election and all of the evidence that we know so far. So she's going to be here in a couple of minutes and we're going to do a deep dive with her. But after all of this, 2020, 2022, we're still, we're all three, all three Republican leaders are back in power. Mitch McConnell in the Senate, Kevin McCarthy in the House, although he's doing much, much better, thanks to those 20 Republicans that everybody tried to crush and smear. Thanks to them, we've got the new and improved Kevin McCarthy. So we should send them all a thank you note. He's doing much better. But then you got Ronna McDaniel, uh, who is a Romney, back in head of the RNC. I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable, our side, Right. The definition of insanity, according to Einstein, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Yeah. There is a reason why they call the Democratic Party the evil party and the Republican Party the stupid party. There is no more apt description for either party than that. And here we are. Now, Harmeet Dillon and Mike Lindell put up a good fight. Um, as you know, I, Mike Lindell's a good friend. I was supporting Harmeet. She's also a friend. Uh, it was not a waste of time because it did get everybody's attention. Now, the people, the 168 who voted, I think Harmeet got around like 54 votes. Uh, Lindell got a handful of votes. And then our friend Lee Zeldin got one vote. <laughs> I want to know who voted for Lee. Yay. Um, but, you know, it, it's, 
it is such a corrupt system all around, guys. And I know this is human nature. It's people in power dole out money. They dole out resources. They dole out help. They dole out favors. And then they expect those things to come back to you in kind. That is just human interaction. I get it. You know, you invite someone for lunch and then they feel like they need to reciprocate as a kindness and a, a nice gesture, which is all good. So they take you to lunch and so on. This is the way the social contract works. I get it. But when you're dealing with the life and death of the nation and frankly, the health of the Republican Party, which is now a full-on MAGA party, the people voting in these elections for RNC chair or head of the Senate, whatever, they hate us, okay? They hate the grassroots. They hate all of us. They, they wish we would just all go away. In fact, you know what, you guys? I heard recently, and I can't disclose who told me this, but people very high up in like the Republican movement, conservative movement, let's just put it that way. They have said, you know, look, we just want to go back to 2015. They want to go back to the pre-Trump era. So Trump comes in and he disrupts the entire corrupt gravy train, which means less money for them, means more exposure of all of their corruption, etc., etc. They cannot stand it. And it's putting them on the back heel. So they want to go back to 2015. They want to pretend like Donald Trump and the whole MAGA movement, America First, never happened. They want to go back to when they were being enriched and empowered. They don't give a flying wit about the state of the country. All right? Not one wit. And that includes the vast majority of people who voted for the RNC chair. They love their grift. They love having Rana in there, spending money hand over foot on flowers and all kinds of stuff, caviar for the donors and all that, whatever she was spending it on, because it keeps them in power and it keeps them rich, keeps the money flowing. You think they care about America first? No. You think they care about the state of the country? No. I have said this over and over again. We are in a war for America and only one side has been fighting it. And it ain't us. All of this, though, was a great exercise, having Harmeet launch a credible run and and offer a credible alternative to Ronna Romney McDaniel. Yes, that was worth it. It got a lot of their attention. Mike Lindell, too. I mean, God bless these people for standing up and taking it on. Rana has said, look, I'm out after two years. I hope two years isn't, I mean, it's an eternity in politics. I hope it got her attention for 2024. I remember talking to her last year at CPAC, a little over a year ago, and I was all like, hey, Rana, how you doing? Have you gotten the election rigging stuff under control? Oh, yeah, Monica, great to see you. Yeah, yeah, we're on it. You have fleets of lawyers? Oh, yeah. Well, we'll we'll hear from Christina Bob here in a second. There were no lawyers in 2020. I doubt there were lawyers in 2022 as well, except for Hermit. Harmeet and her lawyers are all over this stuff, but the rest of the country, forget it, crickets. Someone who is on it and who fully gets it, at least now, is President Trump. Now, we have not been focused on 2024. We're going to get more into it as the year goes on because people are going to have to start to declare exploratory committees, raising money, making speeches, going out there. A lot of them already have. 
like uh, Mike Pompeo is going to join us next week, Nikki Haley, uh, Mike Pence. There are others who are floating around. The truth is, and I hate to be brutal about it, but the truth is it's President Trump, Governor DeSantis, and then everybody else. And I like these people, many of them I, I'm friendly with, Secretary Pompeo, etc. But, I mean, let's be real. It's Trump and DeSantis. They're going to fight it out. Um, look, nothing is impossible, but it really, it's the two of them. Now, maybe somebody is going to come out of nowhere and throw the whole thing into upheaval. Who knows? But as it stands now, it's those two 800-pound gorillas, both based in Florida. Florida is not big enough for the two of them. Um, and they're going to have to fight it out. They're going to fight it out, right? Um, and we're going to hear from Christina Bob here in a second how President Trump is doing and how he's preparing for this race. But he really did launch it. I mean, we know he launched it, what, two months ago when he made that speech. But now he's begun to get out there and do some speeches and retell politics. Over the weekend, he went into both New Hampshire and South Carolina, um, and he gave very um, significant, tightly focused, policy-oriented speeches, okay? This is very important. His tone was right on. Um, It was not, these were not rallies. They were like policy addresses with the usual Trump humor, et cetera. We're going to get to that in a second. But Trump really has changed his, his tone. And that's a very interesting move. I think, look, you're, not, you're never going to change anybody's true personality, but I think Donald Trump has realized, look, if I want to win again, I have got to tone it down in terms of the attacks and so on. Now, you're in a, when you're in a primary, that's all bets are off, okay? He's going to take off the gloves on DeSantis and the rest of them. I would not want to go up against Donald Trump. I'm just saying that. Um, and we'll see how it plays this time. Remember, in 2016, it was all new and fresh and novel. It's like a novelty act. Now we've seen him in action for many years. He's been president, etc. So we'll see how it all shakes out. But he struck a different tone over the weekend. And it was calmer. It was more self-assured. And he has said, I'm more angry and I'm more committed than ever. And I think that's exactly the right way to navigate this, that he's angry about what has happened to the country. Yeah, he's angry what happened to himself too, but as long as he doesn't stick to me, 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 which nobody wants to hear, but if he sticks to, um, I'm angry about, yes, what happened to me because of what has now happened to the country, that's the way to tease it out. And that's what he's been doing as well as sticking to the issues. If he sticks to talking about the border, China, the need for an end to the Ukraine war, um, the need to bring back the economy, he will win. Stick to that, as he did over the weekend. So in these speeches, he spoke about, um, I mentioned Ukraine, and he's pretty much the only one out there talking about a need for a peace deal between Ukraine and Russia. Well, some people might think that his claim of being able to get a peace deal within 24 hours is just Trump being Trump, you know, Trump being a braggart. Um, We effectively control the government of Ukraine now, guys, and we have been for a while. There's all kinds of background that I want to do a little bit more research on before I bring it to you, but this goes way back, and it has to do with uh, bioweapons facilities 
COVID-19, et cetera. But the point is we basically control Zelensky. We've given them over $100 billion, so we should control them. And we can force them to accept any deal we want. Here's Trump on that. Through weakness and incompetence, Joe Biden has brought us to the brink of World War III. We're at the brink of World War III, just in case anybody doesn't know it. As president, I will bring back peace through strength. Peace through strength would have never happened. If I was president, there would not have been a war with Russia in Ukraine. Zero chance. And Lindsay would be happy with that. That's better than any alternative. Wouldn't have happened. And I will say this, even now, despite tremendous loss of lives and destruction of much of that country, I would have a peace deal negotiated within 24 hours. You could make a peace deal. You could make a deal for both right now. You know, as he always says, there would be no invasion of Ukraine if I were still present. And that's true because Trump scared the living hell out of all of our adversaries. None of them dared to move in the world during the four years he was president. You know why? Because he did the madman theory better than anybody. They were all like, oh my God, is this crazy American president going to nuke me off the face of the earth? Maybe. Maybe. Trump also spoke about rapists coming across the border. Remember in 2015, one of his very first speeches or or comments, I guess, after he announced for president, he said, you know, the border is our, our one of our most critical national security uh, problems. And he said they are sending murderers and rapists. They are not sending their best. Remember that? Well, he's still talking about it. Here he is over the weekend talking about rapists coming across the border, which is 100% true. Um, It drove the media crazy, but it delighted the rest of us who know the danger an open border poses. Roll it. They're coming from prisons and they're coming from mental institutions and they're coming from a lot of bad places that it's going to cause us a lot of problems and we have to get that straightened out. We have to get it straightened out fast and we have to remove a lot of people very, very fast because uh, we can't have what they're sending. They're sending people that are are killers, murderers. They're sending rapists. And they're sending, uh, frankly, terrorists. Or terrorists are coming on their own. And we can't allow this to happen. So the illegal border crosses are going to be sent straight back home. Those bad ones especially. And they're going to go fast. Right on. He solved the border problem. He solved the illegal immigration problem when he was president. It's not that hard. You just have to have a president with the political will to do it, like Trump. He also did what he did best and was very funny. Listen to him talking about Hunter Biden and his laptop. We have a president whose son's laptop from hell gets taken over and exposes massive corruption like nobody's ever seen before. You think the father, do you ever hear this? Do you think the father was upset? Uh, Dad, I left my laptop in a repair shop. Forgot to pick it up, and this repair guy went a little crazy when he saw what was on it. What's on it, son? Every crime that you've ever committed, Pa. (laughs) Now, at what point does the father get angry? You know, like, this kid is not working out well for me. And then the FBI goes and convinces the media that it's Russian disinformation. (laughs) Right on. Uh, That's Donald Trump. He is a consummate showman, um, as usual. But again, he had the crowd laughing, he had the crowd thinking, and he had the crowd focused on policy. If he sticks with that, 
doesn't go down the rabbit holes, etc. Donald Trump will be, not only be the nominee, he will be the president of the United States again. I was one of the very first to claim that back in June of 2015. I say it again now, and I realize anything could happen and times are different. The whole dynamic is different. But guys, I'm telling you, do not underestimate him. Underestimate Donald Trump at your peril. All right, when we come back, we are going to talk to President Trump's attorney, Christina Bob, who was on the premises of Mar-a-Lago when the armed FBI agents showed up uh, for, the, um, for the raid on Mar-a-Lago and the classified documents. She also has a new book out on the 2020 election and all of the fraud that we know about so far. So we're going to do a deep dive with Christina Bob on the other side. Sit tight. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double and the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys, and you'll feel better with more energy and you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Well, we spend a lot of time on this program talking about election integrity. And as all of you know, I often share the story about the 1960 presidential election because I worked with President Nixon during the last years of his life in the mid-1990s, my very first job. And he and I often talked about election fraud and uh, how to prevent it how the left and the Democrats have spent decades figuring out new and creative ways to steal elections. And that 1960 election was really a critical turning point for the country because on election night, 1960, Richard Nixon, running against JFK, was presented with concrete evidence of election fraud in three states. Illinois, which was still a swing state at the time, West Virginia, which was also a swing state at the time, and Texas, another swing state at the time. They have all changed over the years, but they were swing states. And the Kennedy apparatus, along with the deep state, went into those areas and stole the election for JFK. Nixon was presented with that evidence on election night, and he saw it, he recognized it, and he said, I'm not going to contest this election because we're in a Cold War with the Soviet Union, and the country needs a full-time president. 
I've often shared that story because Nixon never gets credit for anything, much like our last extraordinary president, Donald J. Trump, who also gets no credit for anything. So anytime we have the opportunity to give these men the credit that they deserve, we will take it. My point being here on election fraud is that the left has spent decades elevating fraud and rigging of elections to an art and a science, and they have now brought it into the 21st century in a very effective way for them. So now, today, I really want to do, as promised, a deep dive with a very special guest. I'm so happy to welcome Christina Bob. Christina is a personal attorney for President Donald J. Trump. In fact, she was on the premises of Mar-a-Lago during the FBI armed raid over those classified documents. Christina was also a host and correspondent with One America News, so of course you've seen her there. And she reported almost exclusively on election integrity when she was there. She began her legal career in the United States Marine Corps. Who serving as a defense (laughs) counsel representing Marines and sailors in court-martial and administrative separation hearings. She is also the author of a very important new book called Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. She joins me now. Christina, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so humbled and honored to get to be on your show. Thank you. Well, it is an absolute pleasure uh, to speak to you over the air. And, you know, we met in person just recently over the last like week or so, and we just like hugged like we were old friends. So <laughs> long, it's long lost friends. <laughs> long lost friends indeed. And you were just so lovely and so smart and just so effective for President Trump. And we really appreciate you. Well, thank you. All right. Well, it's great to talk to you today. And uh, I really want to do a deep dive and drill down into this great book and congratulations on it. Again, it's called Stealing Your Vote. Um, When we focus on election integrity on this show, you know, I always say that we can't focus on 2024 until we understand and fix what happened in 2020. And your book goes a long way to doing that. So well done. Thank you. Let's begin, Christina. And I I sort of want to do a chronological walkthrough of 2020 because it's recent history, but it's also, it feels like it was a long, yeah, we've been through (laughs) so much. Yeah. A lifetime. So let's start with 2020 in order to sort of set the table and frame the rest of the conversation. I'm there in the administration, in the Treasury Department. And, you know, January of 2020, President Trump gave us a booming economy at home and peace abroad. And then, bam, out of nowhere or seemingly nowhere, an Mm -hmm. unprecedented pandemic. Talk to us about how the Democrats and the left, aided by the propaganda press, leverage the pandemic to rig the election. Yeah, well, there's no way they could have beaten Donald Trump without COVID. Um, and I, I don't believe that it was a coincidence that it, that COVID came into the world at the time that it did, although that's certainly an investigation that uh, needs to happen. But um, so they took advantage. You know, the Democrats are so much more uh, coordinated they're activists. A lot of the folks on their side really are, I would just call them activists. And when the pandemic hit, they they knew long, long before the pandemic hit, they knew that mail-in voting 
is that's their bread and butter. I mean, if you look at Oregon, Oregon was a Republican state from the time that Abraham Lincoln was elected until uh, 1988. In 1988, Oregon became the first state to go to conduct a general election completely by mail, meaning every voter got a mail-in ballot. Prior from Abraham Lincoln until 1988, uh, the state of Oregon had only elected, I think. Uh, four different Democrat presidents, meaning every other election, they had voted for Republican presidents. FDR, they voted for FDR. So that's four elections right there. But as far as like the individual presidents, there was only four presidents that they had elected. From 1988 until the current day, Republicans have never won the state. Mm -hmm. So they know that mail-in ballots are how they win. This was not new. It wasn't something they just thought of because of COVID. So when COVID came into the system, Democrats thought, this is our excuse to use mail-in ballots, and we can convince the public, the vast majority of the public, who otherwise would not want to do it, right? They they put fear into uh, the communities. They put fear out into the public and say, oh, you can't leave your house. So you're going to die. You can't leave your house because you're going to contaminate everybody else. You know, And they peddle this fear so that people go, oh, if I can't do that, well, okay, then I am okay with mail-in ballots because I don't want to accidentally kill somebody, right? Like I don't want to accidentally kill my elderly neighbor just because I don't know that Maybe I have COVID and I'm asymptomatic, you know, so they propagate fear and uh, they pushed they they pushed mail in ballots and changing the rules. I actually I shouldn't even say changing the rules, breaking the rules, just coming up with something else, uh, violating the law uh, to implement uh, this crazy new mail in ballot system. So that I mean, that's how they used COVID. That's not actually in the book, but <laughs> that, that's what happened. Yeah, no, absolutely. They established early voting, mass mail in voting, ballot harvesting, ballot curing, yeah. all in the name of pandemic safety. Are yep. you are you of the mind because I'm definitely of the opinion and I know it sounds like a conspiracy theory, but pretty much every conspiracy, I love conspiracy theory, theories. right? Because they all <laughs> turn out to be in true. My book to conspiracy theorists. So, <laughs> well, they all turn out to be true, don't they? <laughs> right. Um, so, but I'm of the mind that you know it's it's been like a chicken and egg question: what came first, yeah. the, the virus or the the election? And yeah. I'm I'm of the mind that they because we know Anthony Fauci, Eco Health Alliance, Peter Datsik, the Wuhan Institute, they had mm-hmm. this ready to go. They also yeah. had these so-called mRNA vaccines ready to go as well, and they timed it perfectly. And I've actually said this to President Trump: they shut down the global economy to stop one man. And yes, I think that's exactly right. right? Yeah. So, I mean, yes, they had a much bigger Great Reset agenda, but they had to remove Donald Trump and the United States as an obstacle to it. And so I'm of the mind that they deliberately released this to cause the chaos, stop the Trump economy, stop the global economy in order to stop Donald Trump, who is actually standing up to the globalists and the CCP. I think what? that they had this ready to go. Do you? I think they implemented biological warfare against the entire world for the sole purpose of crippling the United States to get Donald Trump out because they can't uh, progress their globalist agenda with Donald Trump in office. That is exactly right. He represented the biggest obstacle to them. So, no, we cannot prove this, at least not yet. But I believe the time we will, as we always do. Um, But the timing is just way too suspicious. And the Democrats. 
Go it ahead. wasn't even a real pandemic. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. It wasn't, it wasn't even a real pandemic. The way that they handled it, shoving everybody into nursing homes. I mean, look at what they did in New York. I, I would say there's a possibility that that was intentional murder, trying to drive up the death rate to scare people into the pandemic. The problem is a lot, we, we probably will never know, or I don't, I don't know how we would know, because they, the way they started counting COVID deaths and um, miraculously the seasonal flu disappeared and the way that they manipulated COVID deaths and they had the counters and the tallies and all that, they wanted everyone to think like, oh my gosh, we're in this great, great pandemic. And don't get me wrong, the virus was bad. I'm not trying to pretend that it, it wasn't. Uh, I just think that the way that they handled it was a way to amplify it rather than actually uh, solve it. Yes. Fear is government's favorite weapon and the most yep. uh, most effective one, too. And it did... It did set the stage um, to justify all of this, the early voting, mass mail-in voting, ballot harvesting, and curing all of the things that we talk about. They they used the pretext of the pandemic in order to do it. So my question to you, Christina, is why did the Trump campaign, and I know there was so much chaos that year. You had the the pandemic. You had Operation Warp Speed. You had Antifa and BLM burning down the country. There was a lot going on. But my question is why did the Trump campaign and the RNC and state GOP parties allow this all of this to go forward without having a reciprocal infrastructure being stood up so that we could match what yeah. they were doing? Did we just not see it because there was so much else going on? What happened? Yeah, no, I love that question. Thank you. My So the original title of this book was Cowardice and Corruption, uh, Cowardice being the Republican Party and Corruption being the Democrat Party. And I think the the reason from from you know my own speculation, I would say for several decades, the Republican Party has become the party of cowardice. They go along to get along. They don't rock the boat. They like keeping their seats. They know that Democrats are much more active. And so they let Democrats do whatever they do, as long as Democrats promise, like, don't be too hard on me. You know, don't make me really run my race. Let me keep my seat. Uh, and that, that, I mean, that has become the Republican Party. They've never stood up to Democrats really on anything meaningful. So I'm not surprised that they weren't prepared to stand up for anything meaningful because they haven't in decades. Uh, so I, I also, so that's it, it's twofold. I'm going to contradict myself just a little bit. So there's that. But then I also think Republicans just, they weren't expecting it. They weren't expecting it. They weren't prepared. I think they've been playing Pollyanna for so long of, you know, let's just keep the status quo. Everything's fine, guys. We're good. Um, and they did not realize how severely we were going to get hit with COVID and hit with all of these crazy new rules. I mean, I was a reporter at the time, and I remember asking the spokesman for the, R- the not just the RNC, I'm sorry, in the Trump campaign and everybody and saying like, hey, what's your litigation strategy? Because there's going to be problems. Like, mm-hmm. Do you have a litigation strategy? And of course, they'd always say, oh, well, you know, we're not going to reveal our legal secrets. But yes, we have this strategy. And then shortly after the 2020 election, I volunteered to be on Rudy Giuliani's legal team because so many lawyers were bailing. And I, I joined the team. They had no litigation strategy. There was nothing in place. They had nothing, like literally no plan whatsoever to combat this, even though they were pumping it out all over the press that they were prepared. They were not. 
Okay, please stand by. More with Christina Bob straight ahead. But first, guys, I know that eating five healthy servings of fruits and vegetables a day can be really tough. Who has time to prepare that every day? Field of Greens makes it easy to get the dietary recommended amount of fruits and veggies. Field of Greens is a science-backed formula of specific fruits and vegetables you won't find in any other product. Plus, proper nutrition reboots your metabolism so you burn calories faster and lose weight a healthier way. And Field of Greens is the only brand backed by a better health promise. Yes, you'll look and feel healthier fast, but the greater proof comes at your next checkup when your doctor says, wow, you've lost weight. Whatever you're doing, keep it up. All right, let's get you started with 15% off your very first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com, promo code MONICA. Again, that's fieldofgreens.com, promo code MONICA. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back with Christina Bob. You think about the 2000 election, which hung on 537 hanging Mm -hmm. chads in Palm Beach County. I mean, we have had, or going back to 1960, we have had decades to prepare for this kind of stuff and build this kind of legal infrastructure to Mm -hmm. anticipate what the Democrats and the left would come at us with. And we still haven't done it. I mean, Christine, this is unforgivable. It, it is unforgivable. It's astonishing. It's infuriating. And um, yes, I completely agree with that entire assessment. Oh, it's so true. And, you know, when we talk in, we're talking here about 2020, but, you know, after all of that happened and to some extent you can excuse some of it because of all of the chaos that was deliberately manufactured to come at us that year to stop Donald Trump. But when you think about that, then you think, okay, well, that is somewhat understandable, but in 2022, we'll have all of this fixed and we'll be in a different position and nothing was fixed. Right. Right. No, it's so there's a couple things to this. Yes, I completely agree with your assessment. The other thing, the other side of so we're talking about like the criminal activity that has uh, been pervasive, excuse me, in the last couple election cycles. But then there's also the uh, okay, you've got the mail in ballots and, and what I would say is like just the legal way that you can conduct elections now. I mean, unfortunately, mail-in ballots are legal in many states. So Republicans have been resisting this for like, not well, but just like emotionally resisting. Well, I don't want mail-in ballots. I want one day vote. I want paper ballots, you know, all of these things. Great. We've been pushing for that, but we keep losing. Whether we lose fairly or not is a different question, but we keep losing. And so at this point, I think we have to just acknowledge the last two election cycles have been terrible. We need to be honest with ourselves that whatever we thought we were doing that was helpful didn't work. And we need to look at what does work. We need to shift away from we're going to demand that it's one day voting and all that. No, if they get 45 days to vote, we're going to take 45 days to to vote. If they're going to use mail-in ballots, we're going to use mail-in ballots. And And, you know, the whole idea of we let's play their game. It, to me, it's not a let's play their game. It's a we have to play their game because we've been holding our ground on our game and we keep losing. So we have to shift to something else. And I think the same is true for how we work to secure the elections. We've been holding our ground on, but it's wrong. We're going to go to court and we're going to prove in court that what you did was wrong. 
oh, you mean they got the courts too? <laughs> you know, so, okay, so that's not working. So we have to change our tactics because what we tried over the last two years just didn't work. It, it wasn't sufficient. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. So there is a big, obviously there's a legal and political component to all of this, but there's also a psychological component. So what do you say to someone like me? who is unfortunately still registered in New York City and New York State. Um, yeah. But what do you say to Republican voters like me, who have for mm -hmm. a very long time thought, I am voting on election day because I don't want to vote ahead of time because, number one, I don't trust them with my vote. I don't trust right. them holding on to my vote for three weeks, right? Two or three weeks. Right. No, what, are they, what are they going to do with it? And number two, um, if I vote early... It, it's going to rack up rep another Republican vote. So it's going to give the other side a head start in terms of how many votes they need yeah. to make up to steal the election. So how do we yeah. counter that kind of psychology? Well, you're right. You're absolutely right. I also have no doubt that you're actually going to vote on election day. I don't <laughs> doubt whether probably going to show up to the poll. Right. You're going to show up. Uh, so if you feel better going in on election day, quite honestly, that's probably what I will do too. And that's what I did this year. It's what I'll do. You know, just go when you believe it's right to go where, where we were losing people was we were telling people, you know, wait until election day, you know, for, for all of the legitimate reasons that you just described. The problem is not everyone is as uh, passionate about these elections as we are. And so people forget, you know, we, we lose the people in the middle by saying we don't want to do mail-in ballots. We don't want to do uh, 45 days of voting. So they go, OK, yeah, we agree with that. We'll wait till Election Day. And then they forget they don't show up. Something comes up that's more important or whatever. And we're losing we're losing the opportunity to win independence. So this move to expand and, and play the game, play the hand we've been dealt with the rules that uh, the rules of the game that we're now playing. Uh, at least this is the way I see it. I don't know if it's right or not, but we we expand the middle, the people who aren't necessarily passionate, who don't necessarily care. It gives us more opportunity to win those voters. But everybody else, I would say, keep going on election day. Yeah, I mean, we certainly have to mirror the other side's tactics, not yeah. their law breaking, not their violence and mayhem. Correct. But we have to we have to if they've got, like you said, 45 days of voting, so we have to, too. And we've got to yeah. make sure that the get out the vote operation is extended to that period of time and not right. just on Election Day. Right. right. Getting people right. to the vote and the ballot harvesting, um, you know, going into the nursing homes and hospitals and yeah. wherever the left is going. Yeah. yeah, as long as it's legal. We need to be doing that. Um, let's talk about that actual uh, voting period of time that the left is always, you know, mobilizing on. Um, you know, Molly Hemingway, David Bossie, they've all talked about the massive amounts of money from Mark Zuckerberg yep. and other left-wing individuals, organizations that went into swing states and swing districts to influence the election on the ground, right? Uh, again, yep. all legal in these states. No, it was not, actually. Okay, the, talk to us about that. Legal. Talk to us. Yeah. So particularly in Wisconsin, Wisconsin was the sole brave state willing to say it was not legal. But um, the, uh, excuse me, Michael Gableman, Supreme, retired Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman from Wisconsin, was hired by the Wisconsin legislature to investigate. And he found, he said, he found, he said the Zuckerbucks and the manner that they were used is prima facie, it prima facie violates the Wisconsin bribery law. 
So that, that was his official finding, put it in the report, and the media buried it. So I think it's highly likely that the way that Mark Zuckerberg and this these uh, nonprofit organizations, I think they actually committed bribery. Uh, no one wants to call it that because it's scary and they don't want to get canceled. And, you know, maybe the media will say mean things about them. But what they did was they funded a private organization with hundreds of millions of dollars. And those private organizations paid uh, government officials, mayors and cities, city officials for access to control the election. That is not legal, but that's what they did. So how have they been able to get away with it? No, no prosecution, no nothing? Yep. No prosecution, no nothing. Um, it's because Republicans are cowards. I mean, so we have the Racine is a great example. The sheriff in Racine was like the sheriff and his lieutenant were like the sole brave officials who were willing to come out and say, hey, look, we actually did an investigation into this. There's was specifically focused on the nursing homes because 100 percent of the voter of those registered to vote that live in nursing homes, most of which are, you know, dementia patients, Alzheimer patients, they don't have their mental faculties, but yet 100 percent of them voted. So they, for a number of reasons, anyway, they investigated and they discovered they discovered a massive, basically elder abuse uh, election fraud scheme, and they found that uh, Democrat operatives, partic- and particularly the Wisconsin Election Commission, now these are appointed officials that run elections in Wisconsin, that the orders that they gave surrounding nursing homes broke the law. They were criminal orders. And so the Racine County Sheriff referred charges to the district attorney in Racine, who is a Republican, and she refused to prosecute. It's just, it's unbelievable. I mean, is it, I guess a lot of it is cowardice, but I also wonder too, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and Meta have so much, like an inconceivable amount of money that if you're going to go up against them and their army of lawyers, it's going to bankrupt you, whether it's a state party or an individual or a group or whatever, it's going to bankrupt you. So maybe there's a huge financial disincentive to, you know, try to counter this. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the Racine District Attorney herself didn't have any exposure, uh, you know, because she's got qualified immunity. But um, I, I don't know what it is. I mean, we are on the Republican side. I just see a pandemic of cowardice. There, I believe there's probably corruption on the Republican side, too. I think the Republican side, I'm sorry, the Democrat side has much, much more of it. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's there's a, a lot of problems with why this hasn't been cleared out when Oh, and just to point out, the Arizona attorney general was a Republican. The Georgia attorney general is a Republican. Uh, Racine, Green Bay, Wisconsin, where Michael Spitzer Rubenstein was, the New York resident who was flown in to run the Green Bay elections, given a city of Green Bay ID, even though he's a New York resident, Democrat operative. Uh, City of Green Bay district attorney is a Republican. None None of this stuff got prosecuted. It's just unbelievable to me. And, you know, now we're seeing reporting, Christina, that Zuckerberg and that that whole operation from 2020 is gearing back up in different ways for 24 and ready yeah, to put more, right, hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars into 24. Yeah, that's right. They're, I mean, they're not going to do it the same way because they know that we're, we know, you know, and what they did was illegal. And so they're going to change it and modify it. And it's going to look a little bit differently. They also don't have the COVID cover, right? Hopefully they don't do anything crazy to 
give themselves the COVID cover again. But um, yes, I believe wholeheartedly that they intend on using billions and billions of dollars to to buy the election away from Donald Trump and and do it through illegal means. So, I mean, it, it just the fact that they always use very creative minds to think about new and yeah. innovative ways to rig elections. This is what I've been warning about and you too in this book. Um, all right, take us through election day and election night 2020. I was at the White House on election night and when Fox called Arizona for Biden, you could hear a pin drop. I mean, we all just fell silent. And then we started hearing about halts to the vote counting and pipes mysteriously bursting and election workers going home to get some Zs and votes magically appearing in boxes out of nowhere. What was going on that day and that night? Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I was uh, reporting from the White House, actually. So I was on the lawn outside, out front. Uh, But I... You know, and this was not a topic that I was particularly interested in. I I fully believed that we would have a result on election night and that Donald Trump would be reelected. And I, I based that on his rallies, like how massive his rallies were and how Joe Biden couldn't fill a high school gymnasium. I thought there's no way this guy is going to win. And I thought there's no way they can cheat enough to to plausibly beat Donald Trump. I just didn't think it was going to happen. And then the moment where I questioned that was exactly, it was the exact same process that you said. When Fox called Arizona, I thought, wait, what? That's weird. You know, what's going on here? And then they started to pause the counting and then, you know, exactly what you just laid out. And that's when I went, no, 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 there's something wrong. And so, I mean, that's when I started digging into it. It's just, I mean, that night we were all, because we were excited about re-election and what we were going to do in a second term and all of this, and then boom, and the brakes, they just hit the brakes. And I thought, you know what? I mean, when I left the White House that night, it was like 3.30 in the morning after the president and his family came down and he spoke to the nation. And I just, I had this sinking feeling and I said, man, you know, here we are again, Charlie Brown running after Lucy with the football and we get Mm -hmm. all excited running after the football again and boom, they take it from us again and we're still not prepared. I was absolutely furious when I went to sleep that night. And then of course we had, you know, the, the propaganda began about the big lie it's always projection with them. They always accuse President Trump and our side of, you know, lying about the stolen election when, in fact, they had stolen it. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's a disinformation campaign, and they accuse us of doing exactly what they are doing and put us on the defensive so that we never even get the opportunity to point out the fact that they're doing it. They do it faster. I mean, the first one to make the accusation seems right, right? Right. And and then at that point, it seems petty to be like, no, not me, you. <laughs> right. It, it sounds junior high ish. So, I, I mean, that's ultimately what happened. I mean, it, it, yeah, it, it was so ugly. And then I spent months on the ground in Arizona, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. I was all over the country talking to many, many, many people, whether they were elected officials, uh, county clerks poll workers, observers, just witnesses. I talked to anybody and everybody who would talk to me, hundreds and hundreds of people, to try to get a a little piece of the puzzle, you know, to put it together so to see if I could make a picture. 
And um, that that is what this book is. I hope that the reader feels like they see the picture clearer and has a better idea of what they need to do to to fix it. Ultimately, it comes down to we have to do it because whoever they are that we've been waiting on, they're not showing up. So it, it's up to us, the, the people on the ground. This very much is a grassroots movement. It has to be a grassroots effort. And it has to be a situation where we secure our elections at the precinct level. Now, there are thousands and thousands of precincts. Sometimes there's thousands of precincts in a single state. So I, I'm talking a massive amount of people that need to show up, get involved, secure your precinct, secure your county, and we'll be fine. But we have to do that across the country. We've got to hit this quick break, then we'll be back with more. We're back with Christina Bob. Her new book is called Stealing Your Vote. You know, whenever I speak to groups and we talk about the 2020 election, people invariably come up to me or yell out, (laughs) "Um, what about the machines? We need to stop the machines. What's your view of, and I know legally everybody has to be very careful when we talk about the Dominion machines, et cetera, but what's your overall view of uh, paper ballots versus this digitized, um, uh, you know, voting? So my view is I, I I prefer paper just because it eliminates the the question, right? right? But the machines themselves are not malicious. It's the people running the machines. Right. And so I, I would like I said, I would prefer paper ballots, but if you have enough people on site with eyeballs on to make sure that nobody's manipulating the machines. I think we can get through these next couple election cycles. And then when we get to a place where our elections are clean, we can figure out, do we want to get rid of them? You know, we can get to a place where we actually clean up the process until we get there. We have to use the process that we have. And so I think every state or maybe Iowa, Iowa might not use machines. Most the vast majority of states in the country use machines. And so we can't get, I, I don't know how we would get rid of them before the election. And so we have to figure out how to win with them. And as far as I can tell at this moment, I'm still, I'm still investigating things. I'm still working on it, but at least at this moment, to me, the answer is eyeballs on. Yes. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, we are in the 21st century tech is everywhere. So it's a matter of how we're going to square that circle. Um, Christina, the then attorney general, Bill Barr sent an order to, and we're just hearing about this now over the last couple of weeks, but he sent an order to about a dozen U.S. attorneys to look into questions of fraud. And this was done, you know, the, the president was screaming about this at the time right after the election, so Barr moved. But he sent out this order to a dozen U.S. attorneys to, to look into these questions. Not one of them lifted a finger. There were no investigations done into election fraud. Not one. And Bill Barr did not push for it. So yeah. do you think that Barr just put out the order to placate President Trump and had no intention of ever following through and then went out yeah. publicly and said, we looked into it and found no meaningful fraud? Was he yeah. lying? Yes, he was lying. He was lying. And we know he was lying because the district attorney, um, and he just ran for office and I'm blanking on his name at the moment, but the, 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 I'm sorry, the U S attorney for the Eastern district of Pennsylvania actually said, okay, great. I'm ready to do an investigation and communicated with Barr's office saying, you know, this is what I'm looking into. I want to, I want to prosecute some federal election violations. And uh, Bill Barr told him to stand down. 
like he affirmatively said, don't do it. Mm -hmm. So he put the writing out so that he could say, oh, I did it. And, and I talk about this a little bit in the book because Rudy was trying very hard to work with Bill Barr right after the election and have Bill Barr use his authority as the U S attorney general to help us get some of the information that we were looking for. And he couldn't get Bill Barr to return his phone call. It's insane. I mean, President Trump must have been incandescent with rage that his attorney general would not move on obvious crimes. Yeah, no, I think Bill Barr and we we can see this now because he's um, well, we can see him. But I think he was put in like he was recommended by the establishment people and he was put in to make sure that Donald Trump could not use the resources of the Department of Justice to clean up the corruption in the federal government. I don't even think the intention was about the election. I think that was an added bonus. I think there's a lot of corruption. You know this. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of corruption throughout all of these agencies, these, these bureaucrats who feel entitled to run the government without the input of the American people, and they don't want their power taken. And so they put someone in place like a a wimpy, impotent Bill Barr who would listen to them over the president and basically give them top cover and prevent prevent the president from doing anything meaningful with the Department of Justice. The fact that he was still in place when the whole election thing came out was an added bonus and, and necessary. You know, it's just so he so look, President Trump made it clear he wanted the DOJ looking into this Barr put on a big face that he was doing it and nobody moved on it at all. To our earlier point, you know, it's a bunch of cowards and uniparty hacks. Nobody wanted to put their head up in defense for election integrity. Never mind President Trump. Right. Um, You know, Christina, one of the counter arguments is that President Trump and his campaign um, took a lot of this to the courts and it was all dismissed. Right. People say, oh, well, if he had legitimate arguments and real evidence, the courts would have um, let it breathe. They would have gone forward and they would have found in his favor. So that's a counter argument. What about these judges some of whom are Trump-appointed judges, right? But what about these judges who refused or dismissed these cases? Well, just to be very clear, and and you probably know this, but um, none of the judges actually heard argument. Mm -hmm. They were... They never allowed the evidence to be presented and heard argument. So the these reporters and these news outlets that are saying, oh, the judges heard heard the cases and said there was no evidence, and so they dismissed it. That is a flat-out lie. The courts never heard there. The first time in all of this uh, since, you know, since the 2020 fiasco where everyone's been up in arms about the elections, the first time any court allowed any evidence to actually be presented was Carrie Lake's case. And that's still open. The Everything else has it, it was dismissed on standing, mootness, timing, whatever. Um, and I think. I, I think we have a very serious problem with our judiciary in the sense that. I, I don't know what it is. I, I keep going back to cowardice because that's what it appears like to me. I, I have no evidence that anybody has been threatened or corrupted, but it looks like it, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, so I don't know. I mean, that's a, that's a head scratcher for me. That's a problem that we need to solve, but I think we, I think we can, and I anticipate solving our election integrity, integrity problem without the judiciary. 
Uh, I think we have to because we can't rely on them. You cannot. I mean, all three branches of government, to me, have been corrupted. And what's really sad and pathetic is President Trump had no recourse, not even in the courts. I mean, nobody would take this up because nobody, to your point about cowardice, none of these judges, even if they wanted to take the case on the merits and go through it, et cetera, they don't, they have families. I mean, they're looking at what's happening to Brett Kavanaugh and the conservative Supreme Court justice is there left-wingers outside all day screaming at them, etc. Nobody wants to take that on, but the, the point is somebody has to because the country is slipping away from us. The rule of yeah. law is slipping away from us. Do you think, Christina, that based on what you know, and you've been hip deep in this now for two years, two years plus, was the election fraud enough to change the result? Oh, yes. That's why they had it. Easy. I mean, I don't buy for a second that Joe Biden is the most popular president in American history. For example, Arizona in 2012, Barack Obama got a little over a million votes in the state of Arizona. I'm sorry. Barack Obama in 2012 got a little over half a million votes in the state of Arizona. In 2020, Joe Biden got a million votes. He doubled the vote count of Barack Obama. Like, do you believe that? Nobody believes that. Nobody believes that. There's no possible way. The guy never left his house. He couldn't He couldn't fill a high school gymnasium. He had to draw those stupid circles and rent cars to fill the parking lot. There's no way that this guy was twice as popular as Barack Obama. And he outperformed Barack Obama in Black communities, in the top five Black communities around the nation. He outperformed Barack Obama. I don't believe that. No, nobody believes that. I mean, clearly, President Trump won the 2020 election. Where does he go to get his presidency back? Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, this is the thing. President Trump has done so much for this nation and will continue to do so much for this nation, even while he's out of office. He is continuing to protect this nation. I truly believe that he is um, he is a deterrent, even though he's not in office. He is a deterrent to our enemies from physically attacking us because because he's in the picture, even though he's not in office. So he has done so much for us. I think it's our turn to fight for him in the sense that in order for him to get back into office, he needs all of us to give our time, give our resources, to get involved in our local community. And when I say give our resources, I'm not talking about to the campaign, although you certainly can do that. I mean, to your local community, get involved, either start a grassroots organization if you don't have one or find a good one in your area. I have found so many great grassroots efforts that have emerged in the last two years all over the country, especially in some of these key places. It's so, so important. So get involved there. And I think this is how it is like now our turn to protect Donald Trump's presidency. Yes, 100%. I mean, we've got to step up. And, you know, even if people have separated themselves from Donald Trump, which I think is a huge mistake, never underestimate the man, but you should be focused on our country and election integrity, because if you don't have that, you have no more America. And that's exactly the place we're in right now. I love the fact that you're focused, um, Christina, on local involvement. I talk about that all the time. Get deeply involved in your local community's election system. Volunteer your time your expertise, if you're an attorney, get involved locally, uh, because the left certainly is. Absolutely. And if I can just say this, just to kind of put an asterisk on that point. So I love talking about Detroit because it it was so awful. And I I was born in Detroit, so no, no shade being thrown at Detroit, but, um, 
I talked to multiple, at least two or three election workers who were poll watchers or poll observers in Detroit. And they, they all separately told me they were outnumbered 100 to one Mm. for every, every Republican poll worker in, in this particular area, there were a hundred Democrat workers. I mean, it's just unbelievable. They they mobilize and we don't. Yeah, well, and they pay their volunteers, right? So while the city considers them volunteers, you've got Democrat organizations that give them hourly pay, you know, they pay them and we don't, we don't pay our people. So, uh, I mean, they're so much, they're so much better funded because they get funding from the federal government. You know, they, all these nonprofits aren't paying taxes. I don't know. Don't get me started. That's crazy. But anyway, my, my point is just to highlight we can't very well complain and say, oh, woe is, woe is, uh, woe is me, woe is us uh, for look at how mean and bad Democrats are. They're so bad for stealing the election when the point is they've mobilized 100 times as many people as we have. Yes. And to your point, they do have the money and resources, not just from the federal government. And the Biden administration has made that really clear. They're pouring, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars into left wing groups, et cetera. Yep. But then you've got standalone left wingers like Mark Zuckerberg, who has endless yeah. money to pour into this. So final question for you, Christina, we so appreciate your time today. Um, but last question, and it gets to what we were just talking about. The left and the deep state have this abundance of imagination in addition to abundance of resources. They've already Mm -hmm. moved on to um, more creative ways to rig and steal the next election. We don't have that on our side. We don't have like forward thinkers to anticipate the crazy stuff that they're going to do. So how are we going to counter what they have planned if we can't anticipate it? Well, it will be... I mean, without knowing what it is, you know, I can't give a specific answer, but I can say if we, (laughs) to beat a a dead horse, if we have everybody already engaged, it will be much easier to shift focus and attack it as opposed to going, oh, wow, they're doing X over here. That's really bad. Let me start a nonprofit and see if I can get people to participate and and counter it. If people are already engaged and already participating, we can shift easier. Does that make sense? Like, we we can't start from scratch when we figure it out. So we have to just get engaged and, and be ready to shift as we see what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, that is certainly step one and it's an absolutely critical uh, point. So thank you for that. And thank you for this phenomenal book. The book is called Stealing Your Vote, the inside story of the 2020 election and what it means for 2024. It's available wherever books are sold. Please go get it. Amazon, if you don't want the evil empire of Amazon, go to your local bookshop, make them order it if they don't have it, but definitely go get this book. Um, Christina, before we let you go, number one, how is President President Trump. And number two, you were there the day of the Mar-a-Lago raid. Can you tell us about uh, just briefly what went down and where this whole case stands? Yeah, absolutely. President Trump is phenomenal. He's he is great. I saw him earlier this week and he's eager to really get going on the campaign. He's looking forward to his first event in South Carolina this weekend. And he's excited. He's doing very, very well. I think the country should be excited for what he's going to be be doing and in, in, uh, kind of bringing our way. As far as the whole, and I'm now calling it the Biden document scandal because this whole thing was started by the Biden administration and it is now probably going to end because of the Biden administration. But um, yeah, the Mar-a-Lago raid, I was 
I was required to stand outside on the circle drive for like nine hours in the Florida August heat. Uh, they would not let me, not only would they not let me observe what they were doing. Well, at first they didn't even want to show me the warrant. I had to fight them to show me the warrant. And then once I finally got that, I mean, that only took a minute or two, but they eventually showed it to me. But then I said, okay, well, I want to, I want to observe you and I want to see what you're doing. And they wouldn't let me anywhere near what they were doing. They wouldn't even let me inside. Uh, so when I now see that Joe Biden had document, oh, and let me, let me be very clear about this. Mar-a-Lago is a, and yeah, I know, Monica, I know you know this. Mar-a-Lago is a very secure estate. Not only is it guarded by private security, but it's guarded by the Secret Service. So the documents that President Trump had legally, he was legally entitled to have everything. He was a former president, is a former president. So he is covered by the Presidential Records Act, meaning it is his decision and his decision alone what he keeps and what he gives to NARA. Nobody else is allowed to make that decision. So he had he had all the right to have every document. Add to that that he also is the classification authority. So he has the ability to declassify if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Nobody can take that away from him. So under no circumstances was it improper for him to have anything that he had. Oh, by the way, he had it in a double locked secure facility that was guarded by the Secret Service. So it was secure. Contrast that to Joe Biden, who is not covered by the Presidential Records Act and does not have the authority to have the documents that he had. And oh, and oh, by the way, his son is completely compromised. And this is a this, and this is what differentiates Joe Biden. I would even say from Mike Pence, because technically Mike Pence doesn't isn't covered by the Presidential Records Act either. He so you know technically he's not supposed to have them. The difference is. Joe Biden's, the documents that Joe Biden have, we know for a fact they were compromised because they were held in a home that Hunter Biden, who we know was compromised from the Hunter Biden laptop, 10% for the big guy selling assets to the CCP, to Russia, to getting kickbacks from the Ukraine. Uh, He was paying $50,000 a month to rent this home that had the documents in it, you know, next to the Corvette. That is a problem. That's a very serious problem for Joe Biden. That's a crime. I don't know. I don't know how they can do anything to President Trump at this point without impeaching, like without uh, doing something to Joe Biden. I mean, it wouldn't even be hypocritical. It would be completely against the law. I mean, they would have to violate the law to do this because Donald Trump has no criminal exposure. Joe Biden does. So how are they going to how are they going to do anything to Donald Trump? and gloss over the actual criminal exposure that Joe Biden has. I I don't know, you know, the Department of Justice has never ceased to amaze me in their ability to do mental gymnastics, but um, I I will wait with bated breath to see what they do. Yeah, it's not, don't put it past them to go after Trump and not Biden. I mean, you can't indict a sitting president. You can indict a former one. So, you know, we'll have to see. I think the deep state wants Biden gone. I think they knew about Biden's documents, which is why they went after Trump first, so that he would bear the brunt of all the slings and arrows and uproar over classified documents, and that the reaction would be more muted by the time they got to Joe Biden. I don't think, look, you would not know about Joe Biden's classified documents if the deep state didn't want you to know about them. So they're obviously leveraging all of this, maybe to keep both of them out. Well, they were, I I agree with you. The only thing that makes me think it's not quite that planned is NARA had been on the record all over the place 
saying, oh, we have all of the documents from the Obama administration. We have everything. Everything else has been returned. So NARA, I, I mean, I know they lie all the time. These, these federal bureaucrats lie all the time. But I mean, that's a bad one. You know, that, that's a bad one to have to retract. And the other piece is, I, I think that there's a possibility there was some discord within the Democrat Party about what to do with this because, because they were uh, notified, you know, on November 2nd, and they didn't disclose it until January, January 2nd, January 9th, something like that. And they hadn't appointed a special counsel. It's very clear they did not want to do anything that would disrupt Joe Biden. And then the press was basically like, hey, we're going to we're going to put this story out. And they were there. They forced their hand. So I don't know. I don't know who was forcing who, but I think there was some disagreement about whether to even release it at all, because in the interim between November 2nd and January 9th, they were out there demonizing Donald Trump. We've seen all the videos of them saying, oh, how could you be so irresponsible? How could you do something like this? You know, he needs to be held accountable. All of that. They were doing that knowing, to your point, knowing about the Biden documents. And so I don't know how they can do that if they thought that it was going to be released. So I have a suspicion, I'm probably wrong, but I have a suspicion that it was actually the leftist media, the woke leftist media who was like, let's get rid of Biden. Like they took it upon themselves or somebody, I don't know. I'm just, who knows what happened, but it it does make it much harder for them to go after Donald Trump. And I don't think the Supreme Court would allow anything and anything to stand against Donald Trump while they've whitewashed. I think that's so overtly political that I, I just don't see it standing up. Well, I hope so. I, you know, we all hope and pray on this because, right. again, they attack uh, Donald Trump for what they themselves are guilty of. And it's just an yep. unbelievable thing. Christina Bob, the book is called Stealing Your Vote, the Inside Story of the 2020 Election and What It Means for 2024. Thank you so much for your time today. Congratulations on the book. Everybody go get it, stealing your vote. You need to read it and absorb what happens so that we can successfully and effectively counter what they've got coming at us for 24. Christina, thank you. Thank you so much. It's such an honor and I'm I'm really grateful. Thanks. Such a pleasure. Thank you. Okay, guys, that is going to do it for me here on this Monday. Thank you so much for joining me and thank you for checking out our fantastic sponsors. We're all really grateful for that. Have a good start to your week and I will see you right back here on Wednesday. We've got really big shows coming up with Dr. Naomi Wolf, Secretary Mike Pompeo, and so many more. So make sure you stay tuned and tell everybody you know. I'll see you on Wednesday. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.